Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 229 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden episodes 209 through 211, plus the 8th episode of Star Wars Vision Season 2, wherein one, a character's death inspires an escape, and in another, a character's death inspires the need to just keep killing him over and over again. Yeah, you just gotta murder more. When somebody kills somebody that you love, the trick is that you should just murder more people, because... Nothing makes murder better than more murder. Because you can't make a right with two, two wrongs. But three couldn't hurt. This is not an official endorsement. Please don't murder people. Just in case you're confused. If you're out there and you're feeling some confusion over whether or not that was a genuine endorsement of murder, it was not. Uh oh, Blake's worried. <laughs> <laughs> These are uncertain times. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So how's it going? Oh, it's fine. I haven't been able to watch any more One Piece. Uh, no, I've, I've been. Finished it. Yeah, I figured. Well, you were pretty close to finishing it when we reviewed it. I'm still. I left off for our review episode halfway through episode 5, and I am still halfway through episode 5 because I haven't watched any more since then. I want to, but I've been super busy, and in my downtime, some of my downtime is like, you know, late at night, Pete is home from work, I'm from home from rehearsal, and we're just going to like watch something together, and that something is Futurama, uh, which is great. Um, or in the mornings, I have a little free time, but right now I've been working on getting Mewtwo in Pokemon Unite or getting Mewtwo in Pokemon Scarlet, uh, sorry, Pokemon Violet. I'm playing Violet version right now. Um, so my free time has been taken up with things that are, you know, spouse stuff. If you've got a, if you've got a partner, you know that sometimes you, you've got the free time, but you're doing it on things that you do together and not things that you would do that maybe your spouse wouldn't be as interested in. And then, uh, the Mewtwo stuff is time sensitive. Only a couple more days left to get Mewtwo Y. If I get 15 points from finishing my section of the board I'm on now, I will be exactly at a hundred. If I get 10 points. I think I'm going to spend the gems to not have to do this shit again and unlock Mewtwo Y for free. Uh, I guess spending gems would mean it's not for free, but it's awfully close. (laughs) And then maybe I could finish One Piece because it's really good. If you didn't listen to our episode, it's really good. You should watch it. Yeah, you should. What are you doing? What have you been up to? I don't know, man. Finishing One Piece. Did you get better from the itis? Yeah, the Idis That's is good. no longer Idising. That's good. Uh, everybody, I know uh, you said everybody at your house was sick with the Idis, right? Oh yeah, it was. It was awful. And there, uh, everybody's clear now. Everybody is clean and clear and under control. <laughs> That's good. Do you want to talk about David Diggs in Star Wars? Oh my god, I I did not like this episode. Nope. (laughs) 
Um, I respect what this episode is trying to do, and I don't you mean think dig a it. Hole? No, I think it's trying to do. It's trying to do the, you know, power of the oppressed is greater than the power of the oppressors. An inspiring act. Uh, the you know so okay. I guess let's talk about the plot of this. There's a big fucking hole, and they're digging up what I believe to be kyber crystals. I don't know if they say it, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, which is how you make a lightsaber. And there's a lot of people that seem to be slaves or in some way pressed into service uh, in digging up this stuff. And they are are being enslaved or coerced by a group of stormtroopers. Um, and eventually they finish digging, I guess? Uh Initially, I couldn't tell if they were finished for the day or if they were finished in general, but I got the impression as the episode went on that they were finished in general and that the Empire was like, we got what we were going to get from this hole and we are done making you be slaves that dig in this hole. So the deal then becomes that they are freed from their slavery. Uh, All their chains fall off. And that's great, but they're at the bottom of a big fucking pit, and the Empire has ships that fly them out of the pit and leave them in it. And so they're all kind of like, well, we're stuck down here, and this is not where we would like to live out the rest of our days, so what do we do? And most of them despair, and then one of them is like, I'm going to climb out of the pit. And it is a, it's a whole thing, but he does it, and he's voiced by David Diggs. And then he goes into the city that's a ways away. It's a long walk, but you can see it you can see it over there and he he does the long walk and he goes into the city. And then the people in the city are kind of fine. It's a little bit maybe like a Hunger Games vibe where it's like, you know, the people from the poor oppressed forced to work section go to the super rich section and find out that nobody in the super rich, rich section gives a shit or is aware of what's going on in the poor oppressed section. A little bit of that energy. Um, and he starts to talk uh, openly, sort of do like a town crier type thing about, hey, there's people in a big fucking pit, and we don't like it, and we, we don't want to be in the pit anymore. And a couple of people in town are sort of like, oh, is there a pit? That sounds no, not great. And the Empire, the stormtroopers and stuff, they notice that people are noticing. So they grab David Diggs, and they drag him back to the pit. And they push him in it. And it's tall enough that he does not do well being pushed in it. (laughs) And he dies. And he's now back down where he started. And the people that he left behind there to go and rescue are like kind of, you know, dismayed by this. But a couple of them are inspired by his sacrifice and start to sort of try and rally the other people not to lose heart at the fact that he's died, but to gain heart at the fact that he got out, I guess. And simultaneously, I guess enough people heard what David Diggs was saying in the town that they gather a group of people to walk out to the pit and look down in it and see if there really are some people down there. And the stormtroopers gather at the edge of the pit 
And they're like, don't come any closer. Don't look down in this pit. But there's too many people. And so the stormtroopers run away. And the people from the town look in the pit. And they're like, there are people down there. We're going to make them not down there anymore. And then the episode ends. Yeah. And that's that's the story. And it's fine. It's a, it's a fine story. It's not great. It doesn't do anything you haven't seen before. And honestly, the heroic sacrifice at the center of the story left a really bad taste in my mouth. Um, like, I don't know. A heroic sacrifice is a really common thing in our media. And... I, I don't I, I get the idea that like somebody can set their hearts to something and in doing so can inspire other people who needed that extra push to also set their hearts to something. That's cool. Uh, I understand that there's a, a core concept of like you know the the sort of fascistic regime of the empire uses violence to punish people who speak out against them, but that violence kind of turned against them by inspiring both the people they were oppressing and the people they were keeping in the dark. And it led to them losing their power. Like the core of that argument resonates with me, but the way it was done here just didn't work. I just, I wasn't engaged by this. I didn't think the art was particularly interesting to look at. The storytelling just didn't, click for me just nothing here worked except for when i was like hey that's david diggs and then i jumped on imdb and it was david diggs and i was satisfied by that um so i liked that part which really doesn't have anything to do with the story uh, the rest of the story just did not work for me it's not bad it's just like super meh what about you spencer yeah. i i also thought it was super meh uh, it just didn't it didn't do anything for me um and unfortunately, that's just one of those things. Just not not every episode is going to click with you. And this one was, in my opinion, one of the worst that we've watched so far. Um, I think so. It's a bummer, too, because the first half was all hits, no skips, pretty much. I think there was yeah. one episode that didn't super work for us. But it was sort of like, felt like a personal taste thing. And now it's like the last couple of episodes have been not worth it <laughs> yeah all right uh, um maybe they'll finish you wanna, strong you want to put some seconds on the board so that you can explain to us what's happened previously in naruto shippuden oh i do do that these days don't i let me <laughs> let me just refresh my memory because of our unscheduled sicknesses and stuff i watched these when we were supposed to watch them so let me just make sure i know everything that you need to know uh sure i'm i'm ready okay i have set my timer and go 
Naruto is a world of anime ninja. The titular character Naruto is striving to become the leader of his ninja village. He was, as a child, paired up with two other people, Sasuke and Sakura. Sasuke had some tragedy in his backstory that led him to join the baddies. Sakura and Naruto have uh, agreed to get him back, but Sakura now maybe thinks that he's better off dead and is going to go kill him. Naruto doesn't yet know that, but he's about to find it out. He still thinks that they can get Sasuke back to the side of the good guys. Sasuke meanwhile, has uh, allied himself with a big bad named Toby, who is uh, moving along with him to get revenge on a guy that sort of leads the black ops group of Naruto's hometown, uh, a man named Donzo, who is uh, power grabbing himself, and he and Sasuke are on a collision course that led to them about to get into a fight where we left off of the last Naruto episode. So they're facing off against each other, and Naruto's going to get some bad news about Sasuke, and that's, that's where we are. Yeah, you were just a little bit over with that one. Uh, I, I got that sense that you were maybe letting me keep going, which I do appreciate, but also makes me feel bad. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to take it. I, you know, like I want to win. If, nothing if not a stickler for the rules, you guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. rules. Yeah. So, let's talk about Mr. Has a Lot of uh, Eyes on His Arm. Um, oh, who's that? Is... Oh, yeah. So, this is episode 209, Danzo's Right Arm. Um, He is going to... Okay, so here's this thing about Danzo at the start of this episode. There's going to be a lot of looking at each other and really good animation in this first episode that is not present in the other two episodes. I I don't know why they did that. Um, It just... They, they have a really, really good animation, and then they kind of step it down for the next two episodes. I guess they just can afford it for all three. Um, but anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they seem take to so pick maybe the wrong one. Arm, you guys. <laughs> yeah, Don, so, one thing I didn't mention in the previously on is that the eyes are really important in Naruto, and a lot of the magic stuff that they do is based around eyes and Donzo has found some sort of fucked up cheat code to get the most eyes by sticking them to his arm. (laughs) They happen to be the eyes of Sasuke's murdered family members. Now I don't think this is, I guess I never put this together until just now. This is not exactly the same as Karapika from Hunter x Hunter. Although they do sort of echo each other a little bit, (laughs) but uh, this isn't like that time that Karapika was working for somebody who literally had the eyes of like his kinsmen in a jar. Um, but it's not that far off. I mean, these eyes do technically come from people Sasuke's related to. They don't have to have been killed to have their eyes featured here, but I don't know. Odds are pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're definitely just, dead he, now. <laughs> he just yanked them all. He just got yeah, them, you just yanked yank them all out of people's heads. Yeah, just schloop right out, right out of your face. You know, is that the sound effect? With spoons. Oh, Um, so uh, Donzo's gonna unwrap his arm because he's got his his secret weapon is that that it's covered in eyes. And uh, meanwhile, Naruto's gonna have a little conversation. Um, So Kakashi, Naruto's mentor, Sai, Naruto's teammate, um, they are going to take Naruto to see Sakura because Naruto's trying to stop Sakura from killing Sasuke. He Basically, he's found out 
that he is still upholding the promise they made to each other, or really the promise that she forced him to make to her, which was, no matter what, let's bring Sasuke back to us. And now she is unilaterally deciding that she doesn't want to do that anymore, uh, and she wants to kill Sasuke instead. And honestly, she's not totally wrong here, right? Like, Sasuke has really kicked it up a notch in the amount of problems that he's causing on a sort of geopolitical scale. So that's not great. And Soccer is kind of making a cost-benefits analysis here of like, it's not that I don't wish that Sasuke were still on our team, but he's so not. And he's acting in a way that is causing major problems that might literally cause our home to go to war with other people because he's from there initially and that that's not worth it and i maybe agree with her if this weren't an anime where you kind of know that like the sasuke thing is narratively significant so it can't just be that like if you didn't have that meta knowledge I would probably be 100% Team Sakura here of, like, it's just not worth it. The dude has shot the bed. He's not on our team anymore. Like, we, we can't do this. And if we don't stop him, someone else is going to. And, it, yeah, it's complicated. If some other village kills him, it might cause political tensions because he's technically still a member of their village, even though he left it. Uh, he's not, like, excommunicated. So there's a problem there. Uh, if he does something that causes, you know, some sort of major event in another village or to another village's, you know, mem- uh, 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 citizens, that could also cause a political fallout. Um, and in this world, your body has information on techniques that you've learned. And Sasuke has biologically inherited techniques, as we're seeing with Donzo's fucking arm. You could just jam those eyes onto your arm or wherever the hell, and you've stolen their techniques. And these are techniques that are, in theory, uh, not in practice, but most of the time, unique to the village that Naruto and Sakura are from. And so this is a big deal. Like, this is a political challenge and it's one of the things i like about naruto is that the politics feel kind of real um with the caveat that yeah there's there's narrative significance to sasuke and his relationship to our heroes so i do not actually feel like this is going to go completely tits up like it might in real life but yeah sakura's not she's not going off the reservation with this one right i'm not crazy here i don't think so no, but Naruto is not into this because Naruto is nothing if not idealistic. And he literally has a full-on fucking panic attack over the thought oh, yeah. that he might be the only person who still wants Sasuke to be alive anymore. Uh, I guess presumably including Sasuke in that group. But it's a small group. <laughs> the people that he thought were going to be there for him and for Sasuke are not. And he is not handling it well. Um yeah, that's all for yeah, them. Like, uh, no, I mean it, it's it's definitely a panic attack, but it's like almost to the point where he's like having like an actual heart attack. Um, yeah, which you know, a panic uh, attack is almost like a heart attack without the you know cardiac medical emergency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell uh, me about this arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
So Danzo is going to be, uh, after he unwraps his arm, I had the immediate thought to myself, which is just like, number one, those eyes, uh, we will learn, never close. And I don't know if you've ever touched cloth to your eye before, <laughs> but if he is just like constantly feeling the sensation of having like fabric pressing against his eyeballs, <laughs> like, I don't, I, just, I don't know if it's connected to nerve endings or if it's just like amulet things that he's sort of just wearing on one of his arms but like yeah. I, I could not get that thought out of my head <laughs> i definitely think it's the amulet thing but that is an interesting and horrifying thought that you have <laughs> okay so so the fight is gonna go uh kind of like this it is going to go Sasuke using different abilities that you have seen throughout the show so far to fight against Danzo. Danzo is going to fight with one ability over and over again, which is Danzo shoots air out of his mouth in different wild ways. Um, yeah. So he's going to shoot air bullets and like a big air wave sword, and he's going to put air around uh, uh, fucking kunai and throw them around and ninja stars yeah. and throw them around. Um, I do, I do like is, this. I think it's a pretty good use of my power is the wind. And I yeah. think this is okay. And Sasuke is going to appear to murder him like four times. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's going to do it in different ways. So the first way he's going to crush him with Sasano. Um, and the way that he crushes him is pretty brutal looking. Like he just actually just crushes him in his hand until he turns yeah. into Danzo juice. You um, get smooshed. And then... You get juiced. <laughs> <laughs> get juiced. Um, anyways, uh, the the next couple of ways he's going to kill him is to smash him into the ground with a huge huge fist like he's in a cartoon um then he is going to light him on fire with amaterasu um and then he is going to have a sweet sequence where danzo is going back and forth with him um and he's going to use like a big giant hawk summon and uh it, which is going to get the great moment where toby is going to be just like over there watching and he just is like oh i didn't know he had that <laughs> yeah a brief reminder that these summons are actual contracts that you make with a living being that you have to let go and form some sort of alliance or relationship with them, and then they, and then you can summon them. And mm. Toby just sort of like offhandedly is like, "How did he do this off screen?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fair. It's a fair question, Toby. <laughs> yeah, Toby breaking the fourth wall, proving that he is the Deadpool of Naruto. <laughs> a little bit, actually. I think that's funny. Toby's vibe is very Deadpool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I was trying to think of something that would be like the Merc with the Mouth, but with the Ninja. Um, yeah, the Mask with the Mouth. Enough. Anyways. He's um, the maskest mouth in the West. Yeah. Is that uh, anything? Anyways, uh, Karine is going to notice something. She's just like, hey, Danzo, his chakra fluctuates really wildly and it looks like the way that he uses his chakra is connected with something with these uh, his arm because she notices that like every time his chakra starts to drop one of the eyes on his arms has closed and that takes us into um the next episode where uh 
right at the very end of the first episode, he is caught inside of a genjutsu, and he talks about how, like, his genjutsu is good, but it's nowhere near as good as Itachi's. And that takes us to episode 210, The Forbidden Visual Jutsu, where we find out after Danzo gets away and uh, appears to disengage um, his ability that is, for some reason, keeping him, like, completely unable to be killed by Sasuke and uh Toby is going to once again kind of look at the camera and have a conversation where he's just like oh this is that ability that you're not supposed to use which is that uh if you have this Aijutsu for 60 seconds uh you can control both life and dream as a genjutsu to make it to where you are in complete control of what happens to your body and to your life and everything like that. So if something bad happens to you, it's like you rewound yourself out of that situation. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a reality warping, time warping ability where it's like you kind of give yourself a minute in which you can get a do-over. So Donzo is is not allowing himself to be killed, but he's setting it up so that if he loses to Sasuke, he comes out the other end unscathed. Well, not entirely, right? Because we start to realize that he's having to sacrifice one eye per, uh, I don't know, almost death, per death, but it doesn't count, I guess. So he's got... He's got an arm covered in eyes, but each time he dies and comes back to life or is seen to be dead and then suddenly is seen to be standing over there instead, uh, one of the eyes closes. Uh, and you get this narrative uh, from from Toby who's, who says, like, this is a forbidden jutsu that that's the Itachi have, or the, uh, not the Itachi, the Uchiha have because... Um, it, it's forbidden because y- you lose your eye forever. Like, y- it's done. The eye closes, it's never going to reopen. It, it's totally blind, it loses all of its powers. So, theoretically, you get two of these, and the second one has pretty decreasing value because then you are presumably fairly defenseless in a fight in which you needed to be able to die and bounce back. You're probably not going to survive after you make a sacrifice that big. So this is, uh, I think, forbidden because it's uh, it's just not practical. And B- Donzo has found a life hack <laughs> to be able to do this. He's had an unboxing. Now he's going into his life hack. Donzo's in his full influencer phase here. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I think my. D- big thing about Danzo inside of these episodes is finding out that Danzo, in order to advance to where he is now, he made, like, a lot of kind of weird deals with the devil. Um, yeah. Which is like, okay, so so Danzo has these, this arm that's full of, uh, full of eyes from the um, Uchiha clan. And right. the way that he got these, uh, we are going to find out. He says it would take too long to explain, but it's it's very clear that one of the things he's done is just collected them, as many of them as he could get, so that he could use this as like his ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card if he has to. Yeah, it's and- also worth noting that he was behind 
the assassination of the Uchiha clan. Like, Mm -hmm. there was a whole, there was a lot of political things going on there that we covered when we talked about the fight with Sasuke and Itachi, uh, or I think the aftermath of that when Madara kind of tells Sasuke the, the true story. Um, so we've talked about that on the podcast before, but, but Donzo is the leader of the Black Ops team that carried out that strike. And he ordered it. And uh, again, there were political reasons that the Itachi were marked for death. God, I keep calling him the Itachi. The Uchiha were marked for death for political reasons, because maybe they were going to have... Uh, they were going to um, do uh, an uprising against the government. And so there is a little bit of moral gray area as to whether or not it was really justified to, to do this. You know, you can argue whether or not it was handled correctly, but it was definitely a situation that needed to be handled somehow. And so there, there, that was nuance that we didn't have that may or may not let Donzo off the hook because I do find it interesting that he's the guy that was in charge of the organization that, you know, pulled the trigger on this massacre of an entire people. And now he has all of their, you know, secret weapons grafted onto his arm. It's just, uh, it's not a great look. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a super great look. Um, it's also, uh, okay, so so here's the thing about Danzo that also is very upsetting to me the more I find out about him. Um, he made deals with not only, uh, you know, destroy everybody of an entire clan, but he also made a deal with basically the biggest terrorist that has ever existed inside of the ninja world that we know so far. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and he, uh, after he teamed up with Orochimaru, the way that he uh, teamed up with him was basically just like, give me the things that would make me the most powerful, the the fastest in order to use the, this ability that requires me to have like a lot of these. And so he takes sell you know parts of a dead man who has been buried for years and implants them into his arm and i'm assuming it's a grafted arm from the fucking um first okage um, yeah they and... that's probably true i was gonna say they either did that or they infused the cells but because it's like localized his on the arm face is on his arm <laughs> yeah they probably just yeah it's probably a replaced arm it's weird. Yeah, and, well, what they did cool. was they cut off his face, like in that episode of The Office, um, and then he just like stuck it onto the guy's <laughs> arm and then sewed it on with uh, with thread. I like that you said like in that episode of The Office, which is simply referencing the Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> it's. I mean, obviously, it's Silence it of the is Lambs. that episode of The Office, but that's a reference to something else. <laughs> yeah so his uh, his fa- his arm is like the tree from pocahontas it's got a face on it <laughs> yeah totally it's and it's weird tree. i also he also uses a curse mark here and he uses it in a way that we've never seen before so so far we have seen that orochimaru is the only person in universe that we have seen utilize a curse mark we have learned that the curse mark is based off of 
the bloodline trait that one of Sasuke's allies has and that Orochimaru learned about that, then sort of took the biology, did some experiments and created the curse mark technology from that. And then he has used it to create an enhancing effect on uh, on Orochimaru's minions, basically, or allies, as maybe Sasuke's case may be. And um, former allies. And uh, so we've only ever seen it as a sort of booster of your abilities. Here it is used instead as a trap. And Danzo, like, mid-battle implants a curse mark on Sasuke that turns out to be a paralyzing mark. And so now Sasuke has like a curse mark in his body that's spreading across him and making him unable to move. This is super cool. I really like this because it feels... It, it doesn't feel like it breaks the rules of a curse mark. It just feels like an interesting new way to use them. And it's used mid-battle in this interesting way that creates like a cool moment and interesting tension. It's really great. I, I, I think Donzo's such a good villain because he's so he's such a bastard man uh he he is he's just like he'll do anything for power he'll ally himself with anybody if it seems like it works out to his advantage he wants to be the hokage of the uh you know the ninja village um konohagakure where naruto's from and where sasuke's from he wants to lead them um, so there's a certain aspect of himself that like genuinely cares about the village, but it seems like he cares about it as much as it applies to his own personal status and power and that that's really what he is into. And so he is breaking rules. He's allying with villains. He's, you know, grafting people's eyes onto his arms, potentially in the fallout of having them all killed and a political hit. Uh, I mean, this guy sucks in a really great way. Like, he's such a good villain. Yeah. Um, it's also going to be revealed, uh, I, I don't know exactly when it happens in this episode or the next episode, um, which is that, like, the he, he has this ability, but if he continues to use this ability, um, he is going to basically lose all his chakra as well because it takes up a fuck ton of it and um in order to get away from one of the sasano strikes he has to break um the use of his ability that he's using before to keep him uh alive for a little while so that he can be able to just fight normally without losing everything and all of the time that he has attached to it um and so in order to avoid one of the attacks he uses like this wood technique that like shoots out of his arm um and that's when it's revealed that he has the uh the first okage grafted into his body yeah um he then reactivates his ability right before he's about to get hit with a big, another big giant arrow. Um, and then uh, Karin is going to reveal to Sasuke or try to reveal to Sasuke that he is, it seems to be a, a time thing that he is using on this. So once he runs out of time, he's not going to be able to back up all of these hits. So they go back and forth. Sasuke hits him with like a wave after wave of attacks that just basically kill him over and over and over again until... Finally, um, they are matched together with a final blow 
where Sasuke is stabbing him with a lightning sword, and he is stabbing Sasuke with a wind sword that is sticking out of a kunai. Yeah, this this is kind of a little bit of a desperate gamble from Sasuke, but there's an asterisk there that I'll tell you about in a second. So, yeah, and that takes us into uh, the last episode, um, which is going to be episode 211, Danzo, Danzo Shimura. Yeah, so Sasuke, this ends in a sort of classic, tropey way of both of them pulling out their swords and running at each other and stabbing each other at the same time. And they are both stabbed fatally, I would say. Um... I think this is a an interesting gambit from Sasuke because this is perhaps a little bit less guarded than Danzo has been. Danzo sees that Sasuke is rushing at him and is being reckless and sees that this is his opportunity. This is also Sasuke, I think, making an opportunity for himself. He knows that if he doesn't make himself visibly more reckless and therefore more vulnerable to an unexpected, crucial strike, that Danzo might be able to ultimately outlast his killing blows. So Sasuke, I think, maybe has calculated that he has to potentially sacrifice this in order to get Danzo to also get stabbed fatally. This calculation works out for Sasuke for two reasons. One, Karin, who we've mentioned a few times, Sasuke's ally, she has two important abilities. One is that she's particularly good at sensing and interpreting chakra flows, which is the energy source that all of the ninja battles are uh, powered by. So she can she can track people, she can sense things. She is shown in this battle to be the first one who senses that Danzo is up to something strange and figures it out more quickly than uh, Toby, who actually knows what the jutsu is once he figures it out, but Karin figures out how it works first because she's really good at that stuff. Her other thing is she has a very strange healing ability in which you can bite her and that will cause her to heal you. Uh, It's a little vague, but basically you bite her, this creates some sort of energy transference that allows you to heal your wounds. So Sasuke... She's like a reverse I, vampire. Y- yeah, that's weird. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so then uh, so I think Sasuke is, on the one hand, banking on the fact that even if he gets stabbed fatally, Karin can probably heal him at least enough that it is not actually fatal. There's a a second, and I would say more important aspect of this too, which is, this is a trick. Uh, It is not a genjutsu uh, in which Sasuke turns out to have been standing somewhere else, nor is it a some sort of substitution jutsu in which it turns out that Danzo stabbed a log that looked like Sasuke. (laughs) That sounds so stupid when you say it like that. (laughs) But what actually happened is... Sasuke trapped Danzo in a genjutsu that was so subtle that Danzo did not realize he was in it until it was too late. And that genjutsu was, believe that you have one more eye left than you have. 
So Donzo thinks he's got one more invincible eye to burn and that he can take one more killing blow and bounce back from it. But then when he looks at his arm, the Genjutsu breaks and he realizes that he actually has already closed all of them and he cannot reverse time and heal himself anymore. And he has just taken a fatal blow from which he has no bounce back. This is great. This is a really smart and fun reveal and i like this a lot i like this whole fight a lot actually yeah so now i don't love this next part (laughs) i guess i guess let's talk about this flashback real quick (laughs) there's a flashback uh donzo remembers when he was a kid uh, I guess when he was a, a a young ninja, he was on a mission with the second Hokage. Uh, one of his teammates on that mission was also the guy who would go on to become the third Hokage. Danzo has always himself wanted to be Hokage and hasn't yet managed it. And I guess he was technically acting Hokage at the summit, but that was a bit of a political maneuvering. Um, and so he just kind of remembers... A time when he and his allies were uh, in in what seemed to be a losing situation, and the second Hokage at the time to- at the time was willing to sacrifice himself to help everybody else get out of the scrape. Uh, it seemed like uh, the guy who would go on to become the third Hokage also had kind of a similar take on the situation and personality type, and Donzo just didn't. He's just not that type of person. And I think to me, I don't know, let me know if you agree with this, Spencer. To me, that was kind of the point of this flashback was just that like Donzo from a very early age was just not the type of person with the selflessness to be a good leader. Yeah, I guess. I I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's so much that he doesn't have like the the selflessness as much as that he doesn't have the kind of um the connection to people like part of his part of his job basically is to be be like the keeper of secrets as like the leader of the secret organization that is like the black ops um but the problem with that is that in order to be hokage you not not only have to be strong but you also have to have like a connection with the people that are making the decisions to make people hokage and uh he doesn't seem to have that that's like one of the reasons he almost got voted not to be the hokage this time either um yeah also i I don't even know if people accept him as super strong anyways because like yes you can see that he has like these wind abilities but because he hasn't revealed to anybody what's underneath his bandages until this point nobody knows how actually powerful he is yeah it also could be read as sort of a lack of courage or a lack of um valor as far as far as like he just doesn't have that leadership gene i don't know uh i definitely think external to that scenario that he doesn't have that leadership gene because he's a selfish jackass but uh i don't know that the flashback's a little odd and it seems a little disconnected from things and i just think it's supposed to show you the vibe of like the second and third person who were in charge of the villa village were in this situation and they were both willing to 
to sort of risk it all to help their comrades. And Donzo was not exactly. He was a little bit more of maybe a self-centered pragmatist. And I, I don't know. I just, it's hard to imagine that being put in this exact moment in the story without having some reason. And since that reason doesn't feel super apparent to me, I guess I'm just reading into it that it is kind of a, a, a general statement on his, you know, I don't know, inherent quality as a man or something like that. Uh, anyway, back to the present, Donzo has realized that he's been tricked in a way that has led to him being the loser as Sasuke bites the shit out of Karin to heal himself. And, uh, Donzo is going to do, he's going to do a little do do here where he's going to take Karin hostage and I, I guess his plan is that he's going to hold her hostage in in order to stop them from attacking her. Or, or sorry, using her as a human shield in order to stop them from attacking him. And then I assume he's going to force her to bite him so that he can also heal from this wound and get back in the fight. Does that seem right to you? I, I guess. Um... Uh, I guess I'm kind of. It just kind of feels more like he just takes her hostage so that maybe Sasuke won't kill him. Yeah, but I'm also like, I think he's already taken a fatal blow, but maybe it wasn't fatal. Maybe they were both just really wounded. I I don't know. I think here's what I'm having trouble with. If if the Genjutsu that tricked Danzo into thinking he had one too many eyes was relevant, that means the blow needs to have been fatal. Or it doesn't really matter that it was a trick because he wouldn't have had to use the jutsu anyway. Uh, but if it's not fatal, I don't really get what he's taking her hostage for if not to heal himself. So I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of inferring that that's what he's doing, even though I don't remember them saying it outright. That he just wants oh. to sort of like work around this fatal blow. So he's like, I'm going to uh, hold her hostage and you can't attack me because she's your ally. And Sasuke, Karin is like, oh my god, Sasuke, just leave me. It's not a big deal. And Sasuke is like, Karin, it's fine. I got you. And then he just stabs her so that he can stab Donzo behind her. And it seems like he stabs her fatally. I don't believe he does because I think she survives this fight. But she's really hurt. And he has demonstrated that he maybe doesn't care whether she lives or dies after this. If it is in exchange for taking out Donzo. He also says this brutal thing to her, which is just like, you're of no use to me if you're going to get caught. Which is just like, oh my god, like... This is obviously a very different power level, and also she just made herself open to this attack and being caught by coming to fucking save you. So, yes. like, 
it's it's even more brutal in that moment, like explaining you know why this happened and why this came up. It was I, also revealed after Danzo gets stabbed that, or right maybe before, or maybe after, he also has one more Sharingan eye, which is like under the bandages, which is on the right side of his face. Yeah, um, and it appears that that eye is an eye that was taken from somebody that they knew. Um, I can't and I, I can't remember this this person. They they say their name a couple of times, but I legitimately don't remember this person. It yeah, I I recognize the name enough to be like, "Oh, I know we've seen a story with this character before." I think it might have been Itachi's best friend. I think it was too. There was yes, there was an implication that Itachi maybe murdered his best friend in an attempt to get power. And I believe this was disproved by a flashback story that we saw later in which the friend gave Itachi the ability or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but I think this is essentially like maybe the person who murdered this guy was actually Donzo and he just sort of tacitly allowed Itachi to take the blame. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Um... So, yeah, so Donzo, Donzo's not dead, Karin is maybe dying, and Sasuke maybe doesn't care, and we're about to finish this episode, but just real quick, I fucking hate this so much, <laughs> I just, I think, I think Donzo's a really good villain, and I think Sasuke isn't, <laughs> and part of it is because Sasuke is in this weird middle space narratively speaking where before now he felt redeemable right now it is not clear in scenes that don't include sasuke whether or not the story is bending towards his redemption because they're kind of doing like a darkest before dawn type thing with him where they're like yeah the situation's really hairy there's political implications all of his friends are turning against him and it's sort of to me reads like hey, Naruto is really having his ideals challenged by the reality of the world around him. His ideals being, this is my friend and I can save him. And everybody in the world is telling him, you can't, or it's not worth it. And he needs to stick to his guns. And that's important because Naruto is the main character. Um, But Sasuke is a real son of a bitch here in this moment. And he is acting in a way that's pretty irredeemable. I mean, he he put this person on his team. And now he's basically saying, like, I basically, I never viewed you as a person. You were always a means to an end. And if you're not going to be useful for that, then what the fuck good are you? And this is just sort of one of those irredeemable villainy moments that works really well for a character that you don't intend to redeem. And I'm not sure that Sasuke is one of those. And I have a really hard time with this as a story decision. As far as, like, yeah. are we supposed to be... Like, we're supposed to root for Naruto. Naruto wants to redeem Sasuke, which means we also should be rooting for Sasuke to be redeemable. And whether it's a tragedy or not, as far as whether or not Sasuke is able to be redeemed, should be an open question, because then you get the dramatic tension of the story. But at this point, I'm rooting against the hero of the story because I don't think that Sasuke is redeemable based on these actions. 
And that is not a great storytelling place, in my opinion. There's a lot of story to go. So this is definitely not my final opinion on things, but I just, I really dislike this moment a lot. I think it, I think maybe if I'm being critical here, the author really wanted to call the question of whether or not Sasuke is redeemable. And I think he pushed it a little too far. Um, But again, there's a lot of Naruto left, so we'll just table that. (laughs) Okay, let's also talk about uh, just how much at the end Danzo is going to reveal. Um, One of the things that he reveals is that, yes, um, he was he was obviously in charge of this uh, this black ops organization to do this but also he has been planning basically to take over the nine tails to have like control over something in order like something so powerful that he can control not only the village but have like a leg up over all of the other ninja villages that is why he had the uh, the arm with the the first inside of it as well as why he was trying to keep one Sharingan even if he couldn't keep the other ones um, and that is going to be revealed that he lost all of these things that he had put uh, in place in order to keep himself strong just so that he could also try to take down Toby with this ultimate technique. This was the whole point that he had built up all of this stuff to begin with was to take out this like ultimate leader of the Akatsuki and he had to use it on Sasuke on this revenge technique and that is revealed to be like Toby just being like yes he used Sasuke basically as a pawn in order to deal with Donzo because like Donzo might have been some sort of an issue for him in this and I think that that is fascinating and it also shows in the last moment that Donzo is just like he has one final trick up his sleeve which is when he gets Toby finally close enough to him he's just like goes full on self-destruct and explodes in like some sort of gravity wave bomb that like yeah, he absorbs the, everything around it and it the all, wikipedia like, almost gets swallowed up inside of it too yeah the wikipedia says that this technique is intended to trap them in his corpse which i did not pick up from the episode but is metal as hell and i approve uh, yeah and it's it, it's so it's so 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 close as well to being like exactly what Saratobi was trying to do as well. Where oh it's yeah! Like if I'm going out, I have to take out the ultimate villain to me as well. Yeah, like my legacy should be taking them down with me if I'm not going to be yeah. able to survive this. Uh, and yeah. I love as well that he has like this obvious like grudge against Sarutobi as well as the person he was chasing his whole life. And yeah. there's this like final moment at the end of that episode where you watch um, watch Donzo just chasing after uh, Sarutobi ever since he was like a little kid. He was trying to catch up and trying to be like him. And it's just like this this very like upsetting and beautiful moment where you're like Donzo is actually what he's trying to do even though you're seeing him as a villain everything has been like a an an, an, an you know an end to a means or a means to an end in order to try to finally deal with like the possible menace of like a super powerful uh tribe of 
ninja that are inside of the village that can go wrong and take over the world again. And yeah. all he's been trying to do is like stop that at a head. And all it, it was completely unraveled by the fact that he made one mistake, <laughs> which was yeah. that he expected Itachi to be able to kill all of them. And then he was going to be able to deal with Itachi. But instead, Itachi made his mistake, uh, or in Danzo's eye, eyes, his mistake of leaving his little brother alive to become a more powerful ninja than Itachi was. And it's yeah. just like, oh my god, it's just such, it's, it's, it's great, it's great character building and it's great storytelling. I'm not 100% sure if he was, you know aware that he was going to write the story this way when he originally put all this stuff together but if he did yeah. kudos if he did you know it's a good way to tie it i think it's uh i think it's a very clever retcon i'm sure that there were bits and pieces of this i i don't know for a fact that when he first introduces the concept that sasuke's family was killed that he also believed that the brother who did it was going to turn out not to have been the villain in the story, or that there was going to be all this political stuff, or that there was going to be this important political figure that was going to play into that later. Uh, I also don't think this is the first time he thought of it. So I, I do think that he did a good job of taking early ideas as a frame story. Hey, Sasuke's family was killed by his brother. He wants revenge. And then finding opportunities to imbue those with nuance and detail that make them more complicated and interesting as the story goes on. I also think, again, it, it bears repeating for all the reasons I said earlier uh, and more. I think Dante's a great villain. Uh, he is the type of villain who turns to villainy because he sees it as a means to an end. He's the only one who has the stomach to do what must be done for the greater good. And that is a really fun villain archetype. And he is that. Um, I also think it's worth noting that he's he, one of the things that makes him a good village is that he's from the good guy town. He's there have been people, Sasuke included, that have left the Leaf Village to become villains. Donzo became one in the Leaf Village, and I think that's really a, a sort of great, subtle thing to acknowledge. Is that like? There is something to be said about Naruto living among a town full of good guys and coming into conflict with people from other towns that are not necessarily good guys. And it's nice to see that at least in one prominent moment, that is not necessarily always true. I just think, I think Donzo's great. I think this is a good fight. I think it's full of interesting ninja action, but also interesting character moments. Uh, I, mm. I again, I think that there are maybe some missteps personally that I would not have uh, endorsed as far as some of the character decisions that Sasuke makes here. Um, they are interesting. I just think that from the standpoint of the larger story, it's maybe a bit too far. Um, but we'll see. Uh, but with Donzo, I just think the whole story is super, super interesting. I think he does a really good job here of tying Donzo's story into the larger story of Naruto, making it all matter, making it feel like it was sort of relevant secretly this whole time. It's just great. And he's a great villain. He's a great character. And this was this is a, a really fun thing to sort of sit with. <laughs> really enjoyed this. Yeah. 
And we'll talk about uh, more of this uh, in a couple of weeks. But stick with us after these credits, and we'll tell you what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Next week, our Patreon episode features episodes of Bleach, number 74 through 77. And then in two weeks, we'll be back with Jujutsu Kaisen, episodes 4 and 5. Oh, man. The biggest problem that we have inside of our world, other than, you know, the world being on fire, is that we have to watch even more episodes with Bounce in them. (sighs) And if you're wondering to yourself, how great is it? to watch Blake and Spencer suffer <laughs> by watching more of the Bounce Saga, you too can become a Patreon and wish Find us out. a slow and painful anime-watching death. <laughs> so, uh, I guess do what that what you will. God help us. <laughs> <laughs>